Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Insights with Experts. Joining us here today, we are very, very fortunate to have Mr. David Christmas. So Mr. Christmas has done numerous things over his life. He's worked in vast leadership roles in companies such as Royal Mail, DHL, and he's currently a member of the Global Logistics Board and the Head of Logistics in Asia Pacific at DB Chenka. So Mr. Christmas, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here today. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you, and uh, thanks for the invite. Sorry I'm in the car, but um, that's the way of the world these days, but uh, happy to talk. Yeah, of course. So, um, David, the first question which we want to ask, it's what I did was, I, I guess I gave quite like a broad overview of who you are in that intro. Mm. Could you maybe tell us, what did that journey actually look like? Perhaps from the moment you left school, why did you want to go into supply chain and I guess end up in the role that you currently are now? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I left university at a tough time. It was one of the um, economic depressions, as it were, and there weren't many jobs, to be frank. Um, so it wasn't easy to pick up the first first role. And my first job, I just grabbed what there was. I mean, I, I did some work in my university vacations, basically packaging stuff for an environmental company. Um, and I've always been quite competitive, so I was always trying to package more than the, the next guy. Got to know the team quite well, you know, the leaders of the business. You know, we used to go out for lunches and all that type of stuff. And when I finished university, they said, do you want a job? And it was a sales job, to be honest. And it's not what I wanted to do. And it really wasn't the type of industry that I wanted to be in. But to be frank, I needed a job and I needed to get some income. So I accepted it. And it was great. Yeah, I really learned from some, you know, old campaigners very quickly. I was out on the road selling. Um, not what my preferred career would have been or thought it would have been at that stage but I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of different companies very quickly and learn a hell of a lot um, from the people around me so that was the start but while I was doing that I wanted to get on a graduate recruitment scheme with a big organization really just to, to get some broader breadth to get some international exposure so I just continued applying to the sort of usual milk ground stuff the usual graduate employers um, and eventually got a role and probably got a role because I was actually doing something and I had a decent amount of experience through that sales exposure. So rather than competing like for like against people that left university with nothing with regard to experience, I'd already had 18 months under my belt when I was applying for those type of programs. So that's really what I did. I mean, why logistics? I mean, I just love real stuff. So I always really loved sort of air airplanes ships um, always love working with people it was all about the physical piece I, I remember talking to friends at university that wanted to go into finance or something like that and I was never that interested I mean okay it might pay more but I just love the sort of heartbeat of action every day movement of goods as I said in the air on the ocean on the land and meeting people from all walks of life from forklift driver to CEO to salesperson to accountant and it was more real to me and I got a buzz um, or thought I'd get a buzz from it and absolutely I have. So I haven't regretted that decision for a moment to be frank. Um, logistics isn't necessarily people's first choice, but wow, it's one hell of a career. It takes you around the world and it, it is real. Um, it's all about real stuff and real people. Right. And you know, yeah. in, in that start area there, you talked about the fact that initially those like small jobs which you had wasn't exactly what you wanted. But would you would you would you say that, you know, even though you didn't want those jobs, uh, you still were able to gain skills, skills in them that you could then apply to later on in your life? 
Yeah, I mean, hugely. I mean, I, I mean, I did some horrible jobs. I mean, I'm sure lots of people out there have done horrible jobs. On, oh, I was a postman, a graffiti cleaner offer, if you call it that, and a packer. And but to your point, when we were sort of briefly chatting beforehand, a lot of this comes down to relationships and networks and who you know. Um, but yeah, and I remember in the first job, the secretary said, "Go and photocopy all these all these sheets of paper." And I didn't even know how to work a photocopier. Uh, faxes don't exist anymore she said go and fax this I used to stare at the machine didn't know so I knew absolutely nothing um, and she used to sort of throw me a list phone these 200 customers and try and sell them something I was terrified you know? I was absolutely terrified sitting in an open plan office hearing people listen to me or li sorry, people listening to me talking when I virtually had no training so yeah it all helps but to be frank I mean relationships are everything and uh I used to see it as a younger person as not a positive thing, thinking it was the you know it was nepotism, it was who you know, not what you know. I don't believe that anymore. I really believe that in life, whether it's in your personal life or in work, you know, it comes down to relationships. Whether it's facilitating smooth decisions, whether it's winning business with new customers, whether it's managing your career, it all comes down to what people think about you, how they relate to you um and the trust and the understanding that you you know you mutually develop so i would say that is the most important thing to be honest and you know through those first jobs i obviously interacted with more senior people and more uh expert people learn from them and they're absolutely happy to help you on your way and i do a lot of coaching in my organization today and one of the things i say to people is most senior people love to help yeah, most days of work are pretty tough. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of long hours. You know, when you get the phone call or you get the cup of coffee or you get the chance to coach and give guidance and assist, it's a joy. So most people love to do it. I'm always amazed how reticent people are to approach other people. They're always like, ah, they won't have time. They're too senior. They're three levels up. I don't know them very well. Nah, everyone I know loves that cup of coffee, loves the dinner, loves the lunch to try and help people on their journey. And the more people you know, the more likely you'll get the job you want. Absolutely no question. Um, I'll just give you sort of a, one sort of personal view when it comes to recruiting. I mean, I've been in business now for 30 years. I've sat in many talent panels. I've looked at many ways of recruiting people. I'm always amazed how few people match the profile you need organizationally. And most of us, yeah, we'll have the external searches, the internal searches, the headhunter searches. Most of the time it comes down, who do we know on our LinkedIn? Who do we know on our Facebook? Who do we meet the week before? Who have we got in our heads that we like and we think can do what we need to be done? Very simple. Um, so I would say, yeah, networking and relationships and the people side of things is more important than anything else without question. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think it's really nice to, some of what you've brought up, like, I don't think students, many students are necessarily exposed to it in school. And, and um, you know, logistics as a career, for example, um, I think there's pretty limited exposure to that. And also uh, the importance of networking. I don't think that's uh, sufficiently highlighted. And I think it's really good that sort of you, you point that out. Um, on a slightly different note, um, I, have a, I have a sort of question about sort of, you know, the, the next generation. Um, so supply chain has obviously evolved uh, a lot um, and, and especially because of COVID-19 and the conditions that it has created. Mm. So how do you think that, you know, 
how do you think COVID has changed the industry? And, you know, what, what kind of industry do you think these students of this generation are going to immerse themselves in as, as they go into supply chain? Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk of this in the press and uh, in the industry forums. I'm not really sure how much has changed the industry because it's always been an industry that's had to flex rapidly. Um, and it is, it is evolving all the time and it is evolving quickly. So has COVID made a, a lot of difference? I'm not sure. I mean, has it accelerated the need for increased visibility? Has it sort of changed some of individual industries, supply chains? Yes, probably has. Um, has it looked at business continuity planning differently? Yes, it probably has. But all of this stuff was happening anyway, in my opinion. Um, so are supply chain models changing because of COVID? Yeah. I mean, some companies, and we're working with many of them now, are putting their warehouses or putting their hubs in different countries. Maybe they're not just uh, relying on a central regional distribution center. Maybe they're taking a more broader approach and having two or three in different countries of different scale, really, you know, to, to cover those business continuity uh, possible occurrences. But largely speaking, I don't think COVID's changed that much. What I would say is the industry is changing hugely. Um, and if you're in tech technology, if you're into innovation, if you're into automation, if you're into artificial intelligence, you are a golden nugget because you know, the industry in some ways is fairly traditional. You know, we're not, a, we're not an Amazon, we're not a Google, we're not an Apple. Um, and although we're changing, we're not changing rapidly enough as an industry. And there's not enough people that understand technology and our business is becoming nearly just technology. Um, yeah, assets are important, um, but fundamentally those assets are run by whatever systems you're using. And if you look at the profile of senior people across most of the leading logistic companies, they tend to have come up the operational line. So they tend to be my sort of age, I guess, late 40s, early 50s, knowing how things used to be run through people and assets. But actually, you know, things are changing and customers are becoming super demanding around the visibility of their supply chains and also the flexibility um, and the mobility of those. So yeah, if you're a techie, if you're into AI, if you're into um, physical automation and you've got those things in your CV, it'll leap up the pile. And put it this way, if I was interviewing 50 and I have 50 CVs on my desk, if someone had done a white paper on innovation and automation or they had done an internship and looked at something in the artificial intelligence space, that CV would go straight to the top of the pile, no question. Well, yeah, um, I, th I think that's very, very interesting because as of now, we don't know what the world is going to look like 15 years from now. I mean, 40 years from now, well, mm. the current major jobs, I mean, the most demanded job in the world as of now, a software engineer, did many people know what that was 40, 50 years ago? So, I mean, mm. we don't know what the world will look like from now as well. So that's a very in interesting point. I wanted to perhaps shift, shift, shift back into the first answer that you gave where you talked about your story. So is it all right if you just imagine right now, you're a high school student, you're about our age, mm. but you can mm. retain all the knowledge, that entire story that you told me in the start about your journey. How, with that knowledge, would you plan, I guess, your course of action in a new way? 
perhaps if you knew what your life was going to look like? Yeah, I mean, I've got a 20-year-old son in his last year of university, so I sort of have these discussions with him anyway. But I mean, every, everyone's got opinions in my view, and I think everyone's got uh, lessons to offer. One of my personal lessons is, yeah, listen to people's advice and listen actively to that advice, but it's your own decision at the end of the day. And I always say, look, a lot of people are willing to take advice and, and a lot of people are willing to give it, but fundamentally listen to your own head, think about it, listen to your own gut, because fundamentally, if you get a quiet space and you can reflect, most people know what the right thing is for them and listen to your heart. I mean, one of my, one of my big personal um, parts of my DNA is do what the heart says. So if you get excited about something, you can feel the adrenaline rush, whether it be what are you doing on the weekend or which job to apply for. I try and get that balance, but I always go with the heart. That's a, that's a personal thing. Um, lessons learned. I mean, I can tell you things which I wish I'd known earlier. Um, one of them we've already mentioned, it's about relationships and the other is about emotions. So what I mean by relationships, as a young man, I was like, okay, everything's about results work hard, work hard, work hard. And I remember going to forums where in a new job, we'd have a two day conference and I'd be up doing my emails for my team back at the office at two in the morning, trying to get the job done, trying to make stuff happen. And some of my peers would have been in the bar, they would have been down in the restaurant, they would have put the work to bed, but have spent that time interacting and I should have done the interacting, absolutely. And I always say to people, <laughs> you've got to look at those moments and you've got to build those relationships and networks that's before anything else. So I would, that would be number one. Um, and to look at it as a positive thing, not a negative thing. Network is not a negative thing. Some people think it is. And some people think it's selling yourself, but it isn't. It's just the reality of life. If, if people don't know you, you're not even off the starting blocks. Um, the second thing I would say personally is around emotion. Um, I think, you know, younger people, certainly when I was in my twenties, quite a lot of emotion. If, uh, something didn't go my way or I felt I was right or, uh, something went against my personal standards or moral code or something, I would get into how shall I call work fights, if you want to call it that. So, you know, go to head to head, head to head with people, make my point, probably be too headstrong. Uh, probably try and win the battle. Again, I learned far too late that in organizations, particularly, you need allies and everything is done through people and alliances. And there's many ways to get the decision you want. So these days, if something I see annoys me, I won't react straight away. Absolutely not, because that can do a huge damage. I'll reflect. I'll try and understand that other people's journey, why they're thinking that way, what their story is because their story to get that point will be different to mine. And then I'll try and talk it through with them or with others, you know, pretty much face to face if I can, if not on the telephone, hardly ever on email. Um, and I would say 99% of the time, if you remain calm and objective and you listen, even if it hurts, the pathway is a lot smoother. So I think it's probably the old term of, you know, there's no point winning the, winning the, uh, the battle if you lose the war. So, I'd say those two things, emotion and controlling it, that doesn't mean losing it, is super important. And I learned that far, far too late. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that sort of uh, 
notion of, of control and, and sort of, uh, I guess, to a degree, also self-awareness is, is really important um, to acknowledge. And I think often sort of, uh, it's a pretty underrated value, uh, I think, in, in my opinion. Um, and so speaking of, of sort of values and qualities, I also was, was wondering, you know, from the UK to Singapore, you've worked obviously in, in a huge variety of countries. And, and obviously, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, with a variety of people. Um, so as, as a consequence of, you know, moving around so much all around the world, what would you say were some of the best lessons and qualities that you've picked up moving around over the years? I love that question, actually, because I think, um, yeah, I mean, one of the personal highlights of being a global citizen as such is exactly that. So I think... You, know, you need to spend time with people that are positive influences in your life. And, uh, you know, you sort of become the people you spend your time with. I really, really believe that. Um, I mean, I was a sort of middle class, middle England Brit, you know, pretty conservative, middle of the road type of attitude and personality, I guess. But after, what, 18 years probably now of spending my time with Africans, spending my time with Turks, spending my time with Italians, spending my time with people in the Middle East, absolutely I've changed and the people I know have changed and I, I love it. I've become a lot more outgoing, a lot warmer, I think, a lot more uh, community orientated. So I used to be quite shy, I guess, but I, I mean, if you go to Africa, you, I mean, Africa's a big place clearly, but I mean, if I'm gonna generalize, you're welcomed with a hug. Uh, people invite you to their homes. They talk about you know things around the heart, not just around the head. Um, same with the Turks, same with the Italians, same with the, you know, the Middle Eastern communities. They're unbelievably warm, welcoming about family and about relationship. And I think I've changed hugely. So I always use a, a, a silly example. I mean, as a 20 year old guy, 21 year old guy, would I have got in front of, would I have climbed on the dance floor or on stage in front of 200, 300, 400 people at a conference? Not in a million years. I can't dance to save my life. But now as a 50 year old, you know, if there's an annual conference, I'll be on the dance floor with a bunch of Africans from Cameroon or Uganda or Ethiopia for hours on end, you know, singing their local songs or dancing to whatever their beat is, because I've sort of learned to relax more and take on what I perceive to be the hugely positive elements of their character. So, yeah, without question. And, you know, I'm always, I mean, when you travel a lot, you sort of know humanity. We're all the same. We're absolutely the same, you know, whether whatever our sexuality is, whatever our religion is, whatever our sex is, our creed is. I mean, fundamentally, we're people of the same same community. And I think I'm always disappointed when you look at the news and you look at all, obviously, the wars and the tension. And I always think, goodness, if people actually got to know each other, actually got to understand where they're coming from and what their journeys have been, that wouldn't wouldn't exist and I always use the example of the Middle East because I've lived in the Middle East twice I love it um, people always say to me why the Middle East and I say it's one of the most peaceful communities I can ever imagine and people look at me saying you're kidding really the Gulf is a peaceful community absolutely it is because it's in the, the heartbeat of their culture um, so yeah good question I love that piece if that's the one thing that I've personally got out of this journey around the planet it's absolutely that yeah, and I, I like that because the first interview which we've, we've, we ever had, something like six months, months ago, the piece of advice that that interview gave us is that if you stay inside of what is safe and, and known, 
you'll never learn anything unless you go out and find out new mm. things, learn new experiences. And that's exactly what you talked about there. And yeah. for this next question, I'm going to talk about not the first interview which we had, but actually the most recent interview mm. which I had. It was actually yesterday with a really nice guy. Um, so he's currently 19 years old, same age as me. And he's, mm. or he's already CEO. He's helped 11,000 young people get into work. He's on eight non-profit boards. And I could probably keep talking about him. Wow. And we, <laughs> yeah, I know, amazing. <laughs> 19, 19 years old. I'm not Seriously? even, yeah, exactly. Wow. And wow. one of the things that we talked about there was the extent to which age inhibits us. When we interact mm. with people who are twice our age, you know, four times our age, mm. some cases even, um, we talk mm. about the fact that age can often inhibit us, the fact that we're only 19 years old. So I wanted to ask from the perspective of someone that's relatively experienced, how do you think young people can present themselves in such a way where we can get taken seriously, where age is no longer mm. inhibiting us in how we really move forward? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say a few things to that. I would say, firstly, it's really easy to get the wow factor. I mean, I think uh, from my perspective, if, if, if I'm working with a younger person or any person, if they do a few things, it's super easy for them to become perceived to be superheroes. Um, and likewise, it can be easy to be seen as the reverse. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. But I'd also say that I think it depends what type of company you are and whatever, but I can honestly say, you know, if I'm interviewing or if I've got a team, I'm well past the stage of thinking, hey, crikey, I've got three women in the team or hey, crikey, I've got two black guys in the team or whatever, or I've got three young people and one old guy. I mean, that doesn't even cross my mind anymore because it isn't a factor. Um, and I reflect on that sometimes because I don't think that's the case everywhere. In fact, I know it's not the case everywhere, but I think that's the utopia. And I do a bit of work around diversity, which may counter what I've just said, but uh, I think it's worth encouraging diversity, absolutely. But the utopia is to get to the place where none of it matters and none of it even crosses our minds. Um, but talking about the youth um, in particular, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to the two of you. Um, I don't perceive you to be any different to me. I don't perceive you to be particularly young. I'm not looking at you thinking you're a young person. I'm looking at you both thinking you're guys talking to me. So I don't think it is a particular element. That said, you know, sometimes I do walk into a room and go, my goodness me, I used to walk in as the young buck and used to have the excuse of naivety and inexperience. And now I'm the oldest person in the room by a mile. And that, that's a bit of a shocker. But I guess my advice would be, you know, you just have to go the extra mile. So if you, to shine, in my opinion, just do the job and deliver um, and then interact on top of it. And it, that may sound simple, but I mean, if you're given a task, do it well and deliver well, look to excel at it, communicate around what you're doing and all of a sudden your name will be up there in lights. It's really simple. I think if I was to be critical of younger people, which is a massively generalized statement, I'm aware of it. A lot of us at the other end of our careers go, ah, they don't stick at stuff. You know, they sort of get a job and within six months they want to move and then they're like, ah, well, it's not really what I want to do and can I do this? And I'm a bit of a believer, a bit of a believer in it said, you know, just do your job, yeah? Just do your job, do it well and you fly. If you're going to, 
fluff around saying I want to do this or I want to do that or I've done it for six months I need another promotion you might get away with it once or twice but when you're in the mid of your career people always look at how often you've changed and what you've actually delivered so I've always said and a lot of my peers think the same you've got to put a stake in the ground and say I have delivered that so you've got to have these tick in the boxes where you can actually say you've done something and you've got to put some ticks in the boxes where you've actually sown some length of tenure. And you may say that's a bit of an old school thing, and I'm not talking length of tenure of five years in a job, but you cannot move every year. You might better do it at the beginning of your career once, two, three times, I get that. But you can't keep doing it because then people will come at one point and say, he's not ready or she's not ready for that senior job because they've never fundamentally delivered a step change. And they've also not been around long enough to see what they've input actually delivers at their plan in the longer term. So I would say that, I'd say it's really easy. Deliver your stuff and network and, and you'll be flying. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that advice is, is really useful, um, especially because, you know, ambitious students um, like, you know, ourselves, uh, it can be quite hard to sort of sometimes get the credibility um, and, and age, you know, when someone learns how young you are, they, they can pretty quickly make some assumptions. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's really useful. I, I think that's especially useful for someone like me. I'm, I'm actually uh, sort of an exception in the group. I'm, I, I, I'm only 16, actually. Um, wow. so, <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, every, every time I show everyone our site, Oracle and all that, they always ask me like, who on earth made this? It's awesome. And then I tell them, yeah. what if I told you a 16 year old made the entire code, manually coded the entire site and they tell me, shut wow. up. No, he didn't. <laughs> that's incredible. It's one, one bit of insight though, which I mean, well, first of all, that's incredible, but just reflecting on my personal feelings then when I'm talking to you both, I'm not talking to you both as youth or young people. It's, mm -hmm. it's not coming in. It's not coming into my behavior set or my thinking. I'm just talking to you as, two people that asked to have a chat you know yeah so uh maybe maybe if you turn it around if you're younger maybe maybe some younger people overthink that perhaps i mean that's just a quick 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 story i spent a lot of time at the amazon headquarters a couple of years ago and in long workshops in um, luxembourg i was the oldest person in those workshops by a mile and to be honest it's quite intimidating because they were unbelievably talented and so it goes two ways. A young person may step in the room, go, crikey, these older guys and ladies know their stuff. If you're at the older end, you're looking around, crikey, I don't even know what an algorithm is, let alone how to sort of set one up. Yeah. So it's, uh, it goes both ways. But uh, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I think it, it, that's definitely uh, really interesting to sort of get a different perspective because obviously, you know, we always come from the youth side and, and we, we do have, I think maybe that might be more of a perceived issue. Um, than, than a real one. Um, as we bring everything to a close, we have this one question, which you know we ask mm. on every single interview. And that's, mm. um, if you could leave the youth with one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, I'd wrap my two, two, two comments into one. I'd say life is full of moments, yeah? It's full of, and you've gotta live those unique moments. Because when you look back, you need to look back in your life and say, wow, I did something. And I don't actually care from my perspective what it is, but you know, whether it's climbing a mountain in the snowy times, whether it's uh, you know, canoeing down a river, whether it's 
being with the love of your life or whatever it is, I think you need to grab moments and, you know, hugging your daughter, hugging your son, saying you love your dad or your mum and all of those things. Those moments remain with you forever. And if you haven't done enough of that stuff, I think it's probably pretty scary when you're old. I mean, I certainly look back and think, okay, did that, did that, did that, did that right, talked to that person in the right way, said the good right buys in the right way. Um, I think if you look back and you've got regrets, it must be horrendous when you get to middle and older age. And I really believe you only get one chance. Yeah, I mean, I know different religions think differently and they may be right, they may not. But my personal view is you get one chance on this roller coaster of a ride, so grab it and do the best you can in the, the best way and, and the honest way and uh, you'll get the best outcome as possible. But it's super short. I know everyone says it when they get older, they go, yeah, you can put bloody hell. I mean, it is a super short ride. So my advice is hang on, enjoy it, be brave and you know, let the heart take you where you feel it should.